Morrison, of course, had no agenda other than to reduce tax and he's got nothing else. In my mind, the only other thing he wants to achieve... Is religious privilege. Religious privilege. Mm. And dear, dear listener, from Scott Morrison's maiden speech, let me just play this clip for you. <laughs> Mr Speaker, Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. This is a nation where you have the freedom to follow any belief system you choose. Secularism is just one. It has no greater claim than any other on our society. As US Senator Joe Lieberman said, the Constitution provides for freedom of religion, not from religion. It I does, believe the same is true in this country. That's the, what he's talking about. He, he doesn't, but when he, when he put it down into you do not have freedom from religion in this country... <laughs> That is the Scott Morrison view of this country. But he thinks secularism is a belief system. He thinks it's like another religion. What an idiot. But, but, but when he ignored the word, ignore the word secularism and just went, you know, you don't have, you've got freedom of religion. Not freedom from religion. Meaning you can choose whichever one you like, mm. but you don't have freedom from religion. I mean, you've got to pick one of them. Mm. I seriously think that the Satanists are going to be required in this one <laughs> coming up with him. I... I I've been agree. A, I honestly believe the Satanists, we're going to have to really get that moving. I, I've been a member of a little Satanist group where I've done nothing, but I'm just a, a sort of a silent member, and, and and they're quite sane, and they don't believe in Satan as a true god. So, yeah, so it's exactly it's, the same as the Satan, Satanic Temple in the US. Indeed. Yeah. The problem in Australia is that if you want to be a recognised religion, then some of your followers must believe in the supernatural deity. So... If you don't, you don't qualify as a religion. <laughs> Which is why the Pastafarians have never really yeah. achieved that status. But, so I, I resigned with the, basically so that at some stage, I, if necessary, I can start my own Satanist group. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like overarching Satanist lobby group like the Australian Christian lobby, it would be the Australian Satanist lobby. And now... I don't have to actually believe in Satan as a true deity, provided I represent or purport to represent some people who do believe in Satan as a deity. Because take you back to the Church of Scientology case, when that went before the High Court to determine whether it's a religion or not, and the High Court said, this organisation is a complete sham, like, you guys have purposefully set up these fake sort of ceremonies and stuff to dress yourself up as a religion. The leadership is clearly running a scam. But there are enough of your members who actually believe it that, <laughs> that you are, in fact, therefore a religion because while a hierarchy doesn't, there's enough believers who do. So... It's not necessary for the hierarchy to actually believe in a god. So, so you could be. So, of an the three a- of us, if we were part of the Satanic Temple, if Paul and I genuinely believed that there was a f- deity called Satan, yes, then you you oh, wouldn't you wouldn't have to. I wouldn't have to. In yeah. fact, I could openly say, look, I don't, but you know, some of the followers do, and uh, <laughs> I am re- I am representing them, and that's that's going to be on the cards, I think, because. That's the only way that these guys are going to be stopped, I fear. 
I think that's where it's heading. And well, the whole point is I think we have to copy what the Yanks did. You know, mm. the, the Satanic Temple and that sort of thing, when they had their prayers and all that sort of stuff, they argued that because of freedom of religion, you have to give us our chance at having an invocation. Yep. As soon as you had someone standing up there, Prince of Darkness, Lord of Evil, Almighty Pointed Felon, Mm-hmm. They all shut up very fucking quickly. They yep. backed away and said, no, forget it. We're not going to have any prayers anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is the only way we're going to be able to do that. And that's why if the Daniel Andrews government does go down with this nonsense of having a re- revolving bloody invocation, I really hope the Satanists do stand up there and say, Prince of Darkness, Lord of Evil, mm-hmm. because then they'll all say, no, nah, we're not going to do it anymore. Mm. Yep. So... So we'll see where that ends up, but I think um, I think we should consider creating the Australian Satanist lobby and just uh, representing some, and then demanding a seat at the table of all of these uh, religious freedom talks. Mm. Scott Morrison has got to um, pick a new cabinet, and um, <laughs> hasn't got much to pick from, has yeah, he? Yeah, but it's quite. He's got to lose price, doesn't he? She was very embarrassed. It's quite, it's quite easy. You don't need any any special qualifications. I've got some audio when when somebody said, "Look, I don't have any qualifi- special qualifications. You know, do I do I need any?" As part of the interviewing process, and this is what Scott Morrison said: "You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is your only entrance requirement." Yeah, that'd be right. Yeah. So that was, that's, the, that's the interview uh, what, process going uh, what, what on right do you now. Think? I mean, how, how, do you think Scott really seriously considers that aspect when he's selecting his cabinet? I Can he be afford surprised. to? Because he doesn't have much to choose from, really, does he? Who knows? What a rabble. I mean, the, the genuinely talented and capable ministers, most of them have left. Mm. Right. The other part of all this is in Queensland, our state Labor government would be just about pooping their pants right now, worried about the next election, mm. because they sort of are on the record as, as not being Adani, Adani sort of backers. And the LNP is saying that they are. Oh, absolutely. And... There's a good chance that they'll get rolled on just coal mining issues. There's a very good chance that the Adani mine will go ahead now because mm. of the reaction to the federal Labor government, because of the federal government, you know. Mm. I fear that it's going to happen because of that. And, dear listener, what that will mean, well, we're trying to get voluntary assisted dying laws through and I don't think they'll get it through in time. They don't have much time. And if... Uh, the LNP gets into power in Queensland. For those of you outside the state, you might um, sympathise with us here <laughs> because the deputy leader of the LNP is Tim Mander, former rugby league referee, former CEO of Scripture Union. As our deputy premier. Mm-hmm. It's frightening, isn't it? And even if the uh, Labor Party does get that legislation passed, you wouldn't put it past the LNP to repeal it once they got back into power, mm. would you? Yeah, no. Well, if it hasn't actually... Because it would have a bit of a delay before it is implemented. So, um, like in Victoria, they passed the legislation, but then they said, you know, we've got preparation to do before we can actually undertake these procedures. So... 
I, it hasn't actually happened for the first time yet in Victoria. So mm. they would have the ability to sort of stop it. If you've actually rolled through and actually had some people, you know, undertake assisted dying, you, mm, you'd be tougher well, to You can't bring them back. them back from the dead. No, but, but what you, you can, can do the is laws, change the legislation. You could, but you'd be less likely to if some mm. have already gone I through. I wouldn't put it past them. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah. So... Um, Clive Palmer, lots of people were talking on the night, well, he spent $60 million, $70 million, and he got nothing. Ha, ha, Clive. But these no, people... But he didn't, they didn't understand Clive. Clive was out to keep the ALP out of government. Yes. That's what he was out there to do. Yep, and to keep coal mining a reality exactly. in Queensland. Yeah. So, and so he's done that. He's been successful. Because he has his own coal mines. He doesn't only own uh, that, you know... Dip- that wrecked Queensland nickel refinery up north. Yeah, so he's got Waratah Coal, which has got uh, two projects, China First and Alpha North projects, and they're all part of this Galilee Basin where Adani will be. And he'd love Adani to get up because they'll build a railroad and he'll tack onto that and use part of that railroad. Like One of the reasons he got into Parliament, I think, was when the Newman government got into power, he walked into the office of Campbell Newman and said, great, give me my approvals and do this for me and do that for me. And Campbell Newman said, hold on, we're not necessarily doing everything you want. And that's when Clive Palmer decided to end the politics. That's when Clive Palmer spat the dummy because he had been a lifetime member of the LNP up until that point. He spat the dummy and told them to all go and get staffed. And then the next thing you know, you had the UAP form. Well, then you had Palmer Palmer United United Party. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So... So Queensland, oh, God, if we end up with Tim Mander as our Deputy Premier, heaven help us. <laughs> um, Galilee Basin. Yes. Interesting name. Mm. Yes. I've got a picture of it. If you've got an uh, iPhone and you're listening to this podcast and you look at your app, you should be able to see a picture of the Galilee Basin and those mining projects. Um has a certain biblical ring to it, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, where are we? Let's have a quick interruption from Land and Hardbottom, shall oh, we? Dear God, he's <laughs> going to be insufferable after the election victory, isn't he? Uh, well, he wasn't really so much talking about the election, actually. Wasn't it? No, that's something else here. Here we go. Yes, Cheryl, my love, what's that you say? <laughs> What am I doing? Well, I'm listening to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Well, yes, it it is a long episode. You know I like a long one. I thought you liked a long one too. What's that you're saying? Our paleo crystal meditation rebirthing vegan couples counselling session? Was that today? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Cheryl. I didn't know. Oh. Uh, Cheryl, oh, stop hitting me, Cheryl. Oh, Cheryl, well, this isn't how self-flagellation works. <laughs> Landon is another fan of the long episode. He does like a long episode, doesn't he? Mm, thank you, Landon. <laughs> uh, wash out. Let's really divert. Remember, remember Syria and mm-hmm. the chemical bombing. Yeah. And remember how there were those bombs there, mm-hmm. and I was saying, look, don't accept that that's a chemical um, 
bombing by the Assad regime. Like, there's no reason to do it. This looks like a stitch-up. Do you and, think? Yes. Why? Well, let's play some of... We're really diverting now. Okay. But, 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 but <laughs> because now reports come out to show that, in fact, those bombs were... Oh, actually, let's, let's just play where we were on uh, Syria mm-hmm. from um, episode 144. We were talking about Syria and chemical mm-hmm. attacks last week. Mm-hmm. And, dear listener, I have a link to an article from the John Menadue blog, and I also heard this story from Cameron Riley, who does a podcast called The Bullshit Filter. So highly recommend that podcast to you. But anyway, there's a, a journalist called Robert Fisk, F-I-S-K. He's a highly regarded expert and journalist on Middle East affairs. He's an Arab speaker, he's based in Beirut, and he's won heaps of awards for journalism. So he's not just some guy from BuzzFeed who's straight out of a journalism school and drawing together blog blog posts or something like that. So anyway, you will recall that in Syria when they were talking about the chemical attack, there was footage of a hospital with people dousing water over victims... And uh, this seemed to indicate that they'd been subjected to a chemical attack. And Robert Fisk went to that very hospital and spoke to one of the doctors. Now, the doctor wasn't actually present at that particular event, but said it's just common knowledge amongst everybody there that there was no chemical attack, that essentially these people hide in tunnels underground during bombing raids and... Uh, There's also a dust storm and people were suffering from basically lack of oxygen due to dust debris and that's why they came into hospital. And while they were there in the waiting room, somebody said, chemical attack, and everybody panicked and started dousing water on each other. But there was no evidence of any sort of chemical attack at all. So... This attack by... But there was, Trevor. I mean, whether or not it was real, Mm -hmm. there was video footage of canisters, gas canisters that supposedly had been dropped from helicopters or planes that carried the chemicals, carried the chlorine or whatever it was. Well, the main footage I thought that people were relying on was the scene in the hospital with people... That, that was what we mainly saw, but I, I definitely recall seeing um, clearly photos of what looked like gas canisters that, you know, broken ones or these damaged ones lying in the rubble in the rooms. Right, enough of that. Mm. Now it's come out, mm. there's a leaked report from the Organisation for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. They've got 193 member states and they're charged with um, implementing as the implementing body for the chemical weapons convention they're based in the hague netherlands and there's a leaked report copies of it floating around where um the report's 15 pages long detailed and thorough but the most important paragraph is saved for the end in summary observations at the scene of the two locations together with subsequent analysis, suggests that there is a high probability that both cylinders were manually placed at those two locations rather than being dropped. So just because you see a picture doesn't mean 
that you can trust it. Mm. And all's fair in love and war. And this sort of misleading propaganda is a reason to to create a, a reason for the for the US to then retaliate. Yeah. It's, it's just a common thing. So, you know, you poo-pooed Fisk when we're talking about Venezuela, I think. And the whole point is you just can't trust the information you get. And well, there's, there's often another story. Can you story. trust anybody 100%? Probably not. No, you can't. But, but when, you've, when, you've, like, when you've been misled so often by the US government on its interventions, when, when they've got a track record of doing it all the time, you know, when the CIA's job is to, um, you know, disperse disinformation, that's what their job is. You've got to accept that you're going to get some of it. So, so you're equating so, the CIA with so, the intelligence services of all, you know, the well-known bad guys. In, in the, the sense that all of them have the job of promoting mm. the interests of their own country yeah. and they will do anything um, that they think is fair for their country yeah. and bugger the rest of us. Look, I accept that. So, yes, they are similar in that regard. But I still feel we have a lot more in common in terms of our social and political values with the Americans for all their faults than we do with the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians or any of them. Yeah. And yeah. I still think... You know, when we, we do have more shove, in common because we're willing to invade countries all no, the time. No, it's not just that. It's not just that. Come on, be fair. We have a lot more in common with them in terms of our social political values. I would rather, mm. um, you know, it, despite their faults, side with the Americans than with the Chinese any day because mm. the Chinese really do have a uh, cultural superiority complex historically. I've studied Chinese history and culture and, you know, I'm not saying all Chinese... Citizens are like that. I, I, on the whole, but, I like. But they don't Chinese have an people. invasion complex. Oh come on, can, Tibet, Xinjiang. Can, can, given how powerful the, the Chinese Empire has been in world history at yeah. various times, yeah. But you know, while the rest of the world was sending um, boats around and colonising left, right, and centre, the Chinese weren't. No, because they didn't really have the technology to do it. To be honest, they were left behind by the Europeans. The Chinese thought that they were at the peak of human civilization, you know, and they thought we do not need to go any further and we are self-sufficient, we, we are the best. Ch- Chinese boats made it all the way to Africa. Uh, that's a theory. I, I don't think the evidence is uh, altogether conclusive. I mean, some people think they made it all the way to America, but nobody's ever no, come up that. with any real concrete evidence for that. Yeah, but... but- they had a naval force far superior to the Western naval force at certain times in history, and certainly capable. Their of, sailing ships of, were of kind crossing of crossing the oceans. Kind of slow and clunky compared with so, the European ones. So anyway, given the size of the country, and I'm just saying its propensity to want to invade other countries compared to the US, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah, I don't know. But that was a diversion that, we, was, that we really <laughs> got to early. Okay. Because the listeners anyway, thinking, the listeners know where we stand. They, they, they're wanting to talk about the, well, the election. The ele- and Scott's well, let's go going, back to yeah, the okay, We'll go back to the So <laughs> turning around and back to the election. One of the big parts of this is we haven't mentioned enough about Murdoch and, inf- and information. Like people just – it's an incredibly biased – Murdoch campaign that was run, mm-hmm. and without it, surely 
uh, Morrison would not have won. Like if it was, if it was just some sort of balance, I don't think he would have won. It's incredibly so sure. right wing. I think Morrison ran a very effective campaign. Right. Really. I think Morrison, you know, it's, it's a, I don't want to say he deserved to win, but he certainly was the more effective campaigner than Shorten. Um, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think that um, the whole thing was a failure on Shorten's part rather than um, Morrison's part. I mean, Morrison, you know, it was very deceptive, the whole death tax thing. That was very deceptive. It was very much a lie, really. But and he, he was playing into a fear and that type of thing that the Labor Party had helped create yeah. because the retirees tax, in inverted commas, was a very effective name to give the franking credits yes. because that was a very effective name that they gave it. It stuck. It was very easy to sell, and mm-hmm. that's what they did. They sold that. And the Labor Party they... policies were easy to attack, and the coalition basically didn't present any policies. No, so they, they didn't. They were a very small target, mm. and it was just all about Morrison and him being preferable to Shorten. Absolutely. Mm. I suppose, you, yeah. That is true. It has to have some effect, but how much is, is very hard to quantify. It but is hard. Yeah. I guess um, on Media Watch, the guy there, Paul Barry, made the comment that on the whole, the television news programs are reasonably even in their coverage, which I'd agree with. And most of the time you would have seen... Except Sky News, yeah. Yeah, except for Sky News, of course. But uh, most of the time, you know, when you saw the grab, you would have seen... Morrison kicking a football, having a beer, you know, pulling a plant out of the farmer's field or whatever and being the everyman. Exactly. Whereas Shorten would have been quite wooden and stiff. Shorten and, was yeah. very wooden. Yeah. yeah. And every time Shorten tries to smile, yeah. uh, look, you know, he's, he's, he's probably a very decent guy, but he just doesn't present well in front of the cameras, mm. sadly. All right. Well, that's enough of the election. We'll, we'll just run through a couple of other... Unless you've got, have you got anything else to add about the election? Not really. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's been done to death, really. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things It's very disappointing. And we've had a couple of messages from a couple of people, uh, Jimmy and, mm. and Watley, and they both said essentially the same thing, that they cannot believe that that's what's happened. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? And I, I tend to agree with him. You know, mm. it's... It is terribly disappointing, but it's not entirely surprising either. It's not. And we'll get through it. When life goes on. And we will get through it, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, for and, goodness and, sake, we're in Australia. It's not yeah. like the world is going to fall apart just no. because we have a conservative government. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, the slightly more, well, we, we didn't get the slightly left-wing version of a right-wing government, so we just got now the very right-wing version of a right-wing government. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think the only thing we do have to worry about is what Morrison's going to do on religious privilege. That's what worries me. Exactly. We've got to look at that, and as soon as he announces it, then we've got to, we've got to then hit back and hit back hard. Mm. Mm. Right. Jacinda Ardern said she cannot understand America's failure to ban automatic and semi-automatic guns despite dozens of mass shootings. Gentlemen, could you explain to her what she doesn't understand? Well, she doesn't understand the power of the Second Amendment, I think. <laughs> exactly. Like, Jacinda, it was really easy for you because you could just walk into Parliament and pass a bill and change the law. But the Americans are operating under a Bill of Rights, mm. which means you can't do that. 
mm. it's Which more difficult. Precisely why we yeah. don't want a Bill of Rights. Yeah, she said, you know, Australia experienced a massacre and changed its laws. New Zealand has had its experience and changed its laws. To be honest with you, I don't understand the United States. Ooh, that, that's it's not that easy. That's the problem. Mm. Um, speaking of America, Alabama. Uh, people yeah. aware what's happening there? That is really, really crooked. What they've done is they have set the abortion laws so bloody tight and so bloody refined that they are itching for the res- for the Supreme mm. Court to pick it up, and they're going to challenge the, the law. Will get challenged in the lower Supreme Court, and they're going to say, "Well, Roe v. Wade gives gives women access, so that's got to be." Then they'll appeal it, and they'll appeal it before it goes before the Supreme Court. The reason why they've done that is because they've got five of the nine justices are conservatives and they think that this is their best chance to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yes. So, um, so they've made it very difficult. It has to be an extremely early termination in order to be yeah, legal. Less and than almost, six weeks. Almost you know, so early that many women wouldn't even know they are pregnant. Exactly. Mm. You know, and, even, and they've not even got rape and incest exemptions involved. No. In it. It's bloody crooked. It's really criminal. And, and the penalty is something, what was it, 99 years, years in prison? Years in yeah. prison? Yes. I mean, they have the most absurdly long prison sentences in the United States. I mean, beyond anybody's normal person's lifespan. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, it's going backwards into some sort of... Um, Handmaid's Tale sort of scenario in America. Absolutely, and, and it is. Give Shorten half a chance. I'm not Shorten. Morrison half a chance. Mm. and it, it shows what happens when your education system doesn't effectively educate the populace um, mm. in, in ways that they can see through the, the, the nonsense of the religious doctrine. See, there was another thing that was on Facebook. I can't remember. One of my mates, I think it was the American guy that I know that's married the Australian girl. He had put something up that said... The gave the education spending and that sort of stuff in Alabama and Georgia, it's quite low mm. by national standards. And he mm. said, so clearly the only children they care about are the unborn. Unsurprising. Mm. 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 Yep. Right. Well, gentlemen, I reckon that's about enough. Do you think? It's, it's going to be on the small well, one. It's a short one. Yeah, it is. Unless, sorry. <laughs> Landon, Landon will be upset. Landon will be very upset because yeah. he's yeah. threatened to send around people to give you knee surgery before. Wazza won't be happy either. Yeah, but I just I, I spent so much time trying to get my head around that uh, <laughs> election that I couldn't get around to other things. But I, I've started my initial investigations of uh, how many people capitalism has killed. So, oh. <laughs> okay. So, um, and yeah, then, here we go. And, we and, with billions, aren't and we? And now I'm going to add to that uh, the power of the Chinese naval forces oh, at dear. times in history and how they chose not to invade countries when, in fact, they were more than capable of doing it, unlike our American friends. So. Yeah. That's for another time. <laughs> well, before we go, we are enjoying yeah, our Sapporo beer, which has come from Zach. Thank you very much, Zach. Thank you, Zach. And uh, our list of beer sponsors was Wayne A. Landon, Bronwyn, Dave, Adam, Landon, Caitlin, Zach, and Captain Doomsday. Thank mm. you very much for your beer sponsorship. Cheers, we do appreciate everyone. it. Yeah, cheers. Mm. Now, don't forget, you can leave a positive review on iTunes, uh, five star preferably. Um, <laughs> You can send us a message on SpeakPipe, which is how Landon uh, leaves us messages. So if you go onto the website, you'll see a link there to go to SpeakPipe and you can just uh, record something there. In fact, 
and and most of the time, uh, well, ninety nine percent of the time, we've had very positive things left as speak pipe messages. But somebody a while ago left one. It was very short and it was a bit mean, but it's probably appropriate for what's happened recently. I'll just play that message, which I haven't played for a long time. Here it comes. Bunch of losers. <laughs> I Bunch of that. losers. That was it. Yeah, that was it. That was the message from somebody. So you could leave us a message there or you could send us an email um, and send us some love. That'd be good. It's been a tough week. I've had enough. <laughs> oh, really? It might be tough, but as I told my better half, we, we've survived a conservative government before we will survive them again. Yes, we yeah. will. Okay, we'll be back next week. Bye. Cheers. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. You get to judge my policies, no, it but you don't easy. get to judge my faith, mate. My personal faith, Mr Speaker, in Jesus Christ is not a political agenda. Mr Speaker, Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. This is a nation where you have the freedom to follow any belief system you choose. Secularism is just one. It has no greater claim than any other on our society. As US Senator Joe Lieberman said, the Constitution provides for freedom of religion, not from religion. I believe the same is true in this country. And then there's the community, people from school, people volunteering for the emergency services, um, people just getting together and crocheting. He talked about the importance of freedoms, of faith, of religion. Mr Speaker, Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. The Constitution provides for freedom of religion, not from religion. I believe the same is true in this country.
Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, First up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time, and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast, and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like, grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode and really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from a dollar fifty Australian to I think ten dollars and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that? Less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe. You really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.